0: You're listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric, Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Get Real KC, where we are bristling with a passion for all things real estate. I'm Eric Jergensen.
1: And I'm Jennifer Justice.
0: And today we're excited to share with you our fourth installment on the home buying journey from start to keys. And today we're going to talk in depth about inspections and appraisals.
1: Yes. And why are these things so important to our real estate transaction?
0: Well, let's just jump right into it, right? We've heard a lot about uh, inspections in general. There's a lot of variety of different kinds of inspections. We need to talk about how inspections uh, can affect the contract, what they cover and don't cover, liability, et cetera, et cetera. We need to do all of that. So let's jump right into an inspection. First of all, who does inspections?
1: Well, typically certified home inspectors do home inspections, but this is a thing about home inspectors. While we use licensed certified inspectors, that is not a requirement in the state of Missouri. And we may work on legislation for another 10 years to get them to have to be certified with the state. But as of right now, you can call yourself a home inspector. You can hang a shingle. And I've seen one-page handwritten documents on a legal sheet of paper, and they've called it a home inspection.
0: Not really, though, what we recommend to our clients. Not at
1: all what I recommend. But in the world of... Home inspections, it's something that we might mention.
0: Right, but there is an organization that certifies home inspectors?
1: Yes, there is. There's multiple ones, but the National Association of Certified Home Inspectors is one group out there that does uh, different things. But there are lots of good groups out there. As a matter of fact, one of the inspectors that we use has about three different certifications that they get information from, do continuing education from these different kinds of things. but what is a home inspection really?
0: right And why do I need one right right So uh, very simple question and most everybody that's listening is going to be able to answer yes to some of these and no to some others.
1: But let's just say, for definition's sake, this is a careful examination of the home that's gonna take approximately two to four hours. Can require multiple trips, but it's gonna be a snapshot of what could be about a 50 to who knows how many pages report. I found the average to be about 50 pages on a home inspection with an initial summary at the beginning, giving you different categorizations of this is a safety item. This is a needs minor attention item, or this is just something of note kind of thing. And those can be different on different home inspections, but that's general privy.
0: Right. So kind of to go down that question theme, right? Some listeners will answer some of these questions. Some won't, right? Can you identify what wood rod is? Do you know what the percentage turn in event for a hot water heater should be? Um, Do you know what a pressure regulator on a water main is? Um, A lot of these things that you may or may not know about a home, but you just anticipate things that should be in good working condition. You get an inspector to go through your home to do a reasonable job of making sure that there are no serious problems with the home and its infrastructure.
1: Right. This essentially is a tool that you can use to know what you're getting yourself into. That's one of the best ways, I think, to describe it, because this is going to give you an insight into what you're getting yourself into, and a good home inspector is also going to help you understand what maintenance you might need to do going forward in any home, because it's not just, I buy a home and it's great forever. That's not how it works. So
0: (laughs) Homes don't self-maintain? I don't understand. You
1: know, you you can have an HOA that helps you maintain your home, but the God's honest truth is you need to probably educate yourself on, you know, garbage disposals, furnace filters, simple things in a home that will help you maintain it.
0: So let's talk about, before we start talking about um, how long they take and how they work inside of our, our process of purchasing a new home, Let's talk a little bit about just in general, some of the major systems that a home inspector will typically look at, because then at some point we'll talk about what they won't look at.
1: Yes, and this may or may not be the order that the home inspector does it in, but I'm going to start with the foundation of the home okay, home inspections are going to take a surface level look at the foundation, observe whether it has any cracks in it, try and observe whether water might be getting into it, these types of things. And if it's beyond their scope, which home inspectors frequently do, they say contact a qualified professional. So in the case of a foundation, if it needs another look, they may ask you to get a structural engineer to look at it. But We're going to start with the foundation. Next, uh, the basement of the foundation interior-wise, we'll look at that. Roof and gutters. Okay, Big ticket items that I recommend we strongly look at when we're entertaining offering on a home. Your roof and your gutters. How old is the roof? How are the granules on the shingles of the roof? Are there missing shingles on the roof? All these different kinds of things that they'll look at. Your HVAC, which is your heating ventilation, and air conditioning. So we will take a look at the windows and the doors, the attic, the plumbing, the electrical, major appliances, and drainage around the home. And again, we're just scratching the surface of what could be a very lengthy report. Hopefully not.
0: Right. Well, frequently they're they're pretty lengthy, even if they're talking about items that are in compliance. They'll talk about items that uh, are to code or are not to code. I, one of my favorites is um, a rail code height, right? So the railing that you grab on when you go up and down the stairs, they'll measure all that out stuff that I just wouldn't know um, that may or may not be uh, an issue that needs to be resolved. A funny story in the, in the house I live in now, the rail was set way too high for code, but I'm very tall. So I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to live with that. So, um, so they do look at all of those things. They provide you with this wonderful report, uh, frequently with uh, with a lot of pictures and explanations. When when does this happen? I know we talked about it in our last podcast about inspection periods, but when does this happen, just briefly, in the overall scheme of things?
1: Yeah, once you've made your offer and the offer has been accepted by all parties, depending on what you've agreed on, the traditional blank of the contract calls for a 10-day inspection period, you may have agreed to get this inspection done in five days to make your offer more favorable. So you might want to have those inspectors lined up and ready to go. But, you know, it's just an agreed-upon time frame after the offer has been accepted by all parties that you complete the inspection.
0: How much does an inspection typically cost?
1: It could be any price that you uh, are agreed upon. But a typical home inspection is probably going to be around that $495 mark. There are lots of ads. You can add radon. You can add mold. You can add a sewer scope. And these items vary. Uh, Also, obviously, termites are an inspection that lenders require. So that is something your home inspector can add on to your inspection as well.
0: So let's talk about that. We talked about add-ons. And you're like, well, hang on. If I'm paying for a whole home inspection at approximately $500, dollars doesn't that cover everything? And, and the answer is simply no, it doesn't. So you mentioned some of the other things that can be inspected either from your home inspector who uh, can take extra time to do things. Um, You mentioned, Uh, Sewer scoping, where they make sure there's no problems with the sewer line on it. Yeah,
1: do you have a lot of big trees in the yard? How old is the home? These are considerations as to whether you want to get a sewer scope or not.
0: What are some other things that, depending on the nature of the house you're buying, you might be interested in doing? What comes to mind for me is uh, chimneys, Mm -hmm. right, are, are a separate inspection. You've already mentioned that foundations, if there's any concerns, right, that they'll probably end up getting a separate inspection for
1: HVACs are one. I see if the uh, unit's in disrepair, they often say a qualified HVAC licensed professional needs to take a look at this. That's going to be a separate thing after. So that's why I said in the beginning, you know, sometimes these do take multiple trips, especially if there's things you want to get a bigger insight for. Because a lot of times if we need a new roof, you know, that's going to be thousands of dollars. If we need a new air conditioner or furnace, that's going to be thousands of dollars. And we just want to prepare ourselves for these things. While they may need replaced, it doesn't mean that it's a deal breaker. It just means maybe you need to prepare yourself for that in going into this home.
0: So when we, assuming that we're not going to do a significant portion of either secondary or alternate or add-on inspections, Tell me about uh, how long this takes and who's expected to participate and how all that works.
1: I recommend blocking off at least two hours. One of the articles that I read in preparing for our podcast today said, Block off half a day for this. Uh, And they're just trying to stress the importance of what this inspection means to a buyer when they're looking at their largest financial instrument, possibly. So I recommend at least two hours, though. And I know that we're very busy in this day and time. So the minimum. I like my buyers to spend is the summary of the home inspection, which would be the last 30 minutes. And I recommend that they go behind the inspector, have him point out the major items of concern and go through that with the buyers. So you need to block off time in your schedule. Make sure that you schedule this appointment at a time where you can at least be there for the last half hour at the very minimum. I can't tell you the number of times an agent has sent over an inspection to me and nobody was there with the inspector. They didn't notify me of that as the listing agent, which number one is not very courteous. I don't know that that's a clear violation, but it's definitely not courteous. And then two, when I have questions, they can't answer them because they don't know because they or their buyers were not at the inspection. Not very good practice. You know, I don't think there's any violations there per se, but this is really important and taking it lightly, just sending somebody out, you know, is not a good practice. Good practice.
0: Well, so let's talk about as a buyer on this home buying journey. Let's talk about some expectations. And we certainly can speak to I know how you and I both operate and how many agents operate. So in my case and yours as well, we both have some background in um, home rehabilitation, uh, working on homes, etc. So uh, I'm always at inspections for my clients. That's a requirement uh, for myself as a realtor, in my opinion. Uh, and I'm there for the entire inspection.
1: Yep, that's exactly uh, right. And,
0: and then I do ask my clients always to be there at the end. Uh, I think it's critical that they walk through with an inspector. Uh, so again, as you pointed, they can point out the major things. And then that way, the buyers, if they have some questions, you know, how important is this? Is this gonna fail right away? Do you have any, idea on what it would take to repair this, what kind of person fixes this, you know, who does tuck pointing on bricks? I've never heard of it. Right. That kind of question that you can ask that person, um, that inspector, uh, while he or she is there. I think that's incredibly important. So the overall inspection, and typically, I, I want to. it depends on the size of the house, obviously, the yeah, age of the house. Yeah, I heard of, of one lasting
1: eight hours. I mentioned in a previous podcast that I put out a post on our real estate masterminds group that we're in, and uh, there was a home inspection that lasted eight hours. Now, I don't know what these people are doing in their real jobs that they had eight hours to (laughs) do a home inspection. But uh, anyways, I think they said it was a 3,200 square foot house and then they got about a 200 page report. Now that's a little extreme. I think the average is about 50 pages with the first couple pages being a good summary of it. And uh, the average was pretty much on the two hour mark with almost every reply. And I think there was over 200 replies on that.
0: As I say, I I think I, I always think to block off three hours or more, um, as, an you know, just to be there, of course, you know, to open the house up for the agent, et cetera. Um, so- I think
1: they get there. A lot of, uh, the companies that I've worked with get there an hour before we do. And so that third hour that you may be accounting for is done in work exterior wise that they're accounting for and doing before we get there to let them in. Right. So I do see that happening a lot of times. So three hours is pretty accurate probably for, um, exterior and interior. Of course, they're going through checking every outlet, um, dotting every T so, or dotting every I and crossing every T, so to speak, there is what we're trying to do with this. But again, inspectors are not perfect. They're human. We're just trying to give you the best visualization that we can into this home that hopefully you're going to be making your place of residence for many years.
0: I mean, and you just mentioned something, and I think it's important to people understand not only do they have some expertise and understanding systems, but they are diligent, right? Good ones, and which I I only work with good ones, right? They right. are incredibly diligent. Like you, you point out, they test every single plug and receptacle. They open every window to make sure it's operating properly. All of those things that you would just sort of assume. Uh, so so well worth the price of admission, and and I can uh, I can promise you that uh, although it can be a negotiation tool, as we talked about in a different podcast particularly for my buyers that aren't particularly savvy with home repairs, I never recommend that they they skip it unless they're just really solid that they've got the help and wherewithal they need if they run across problems.
1: Absolutely. Even down to just turning the water off in the home that you're going to own. They're going to point out where your main water shutoff is because let's face it, if you have a water emergency, that's the first place you need to go to shut off your water to make sure that you do not damage the home that you have spent so much money on.
0: So we've gone through this inspection process. The inspection comes in and there's a lot of items on it. Uh-oh, spaghettios. Right, or maybe there's just a few, but it's still more than I, what are my options as a buyer?
1: Right, so options after your inspection, we go to the resolution period, and you can, of course, walk away. And depending on how the contract has been negotiated, it's pretty likely that you will get your earnest money back as long as you have not promised non-refundable earnest money due to inspection. So if you discover more than you can bite off, you can walk away from the home inspection, but more or walk away from the home purchase is what i meant to say. But more likely than not, we're going to renegotiate. We're going to possibly ask for some repairs to be made or we're going to ask for some compensation in either our purchase price or our closing cost, depending on how we want to go about that. So there's a lot of options and, you know, it's it's a fluid negotiation again. Once we go and ask for something, we're opening that can of negotiation back up.
0: Excellent. So right? It's not uh, a take it or leave it unless the house is being sold as is. Uh, So you do have those options. Yes. And and
1: the seller can respond to you through the negotiation as well. So like I said, it just becomes a fluid thing mm -hmm. and hopefully you get everything ironed out and you move on to the next step.
0: So as we move on to the next step, right, we've talked about the inspection, which by the way is approximately $500 depends on the inspectors and how many inspections you get done and what types they are. That's cash out of your pocket as a buyer. The second thing that's going to be cash out of your pocket as a buyer is the appraisal.
1: Yes. So the appraisal is something you traditionally pay to the mortgage lender or bank, and the bank will be ordering this appraisal, which is an estimate of value of the home. And this is the act of assessing it to make sure that the bank has a solid amount of money being covered by this investment that they are about to loan you money on. So the bank wants to make sure that you are not overpaying for that home that they are about to lend you money on.
0: Right. I mean, it sort of makes sense, right? If I tell you I'm going to loan you $200,000 to buy a house and you use it to buy a house that's only $120,000 in value, Whoops. Right? yeah, I, I'm probably not that excited about loaning you money. So no, from, they a, would not be. from a lender's perspective is we're going to send out somebody who's independent not involved in the deal who's got some expertise in figuring out the actual value of a home, right? And say, hey, you know, Eric wants to buy this house at $200,000, is it actually worth it?
1: Yep, that's exactly right. So, as you said, the buyer will pay for this appraisal. Uh, the mortgage company will order it and
0: so we'll get right yeah. So let's talk about that. So, hold on. I'm paying for the appraisal as a buyer, but I don't get to choose the appraiser?
1: No, this has, of course, got to be an independent valuation. So you as the buyer are not allowed to go and pick Joe Best Friend and pay Joe Best Friend to give you your appraisal because they want an independent valuation to make sure that the asset is actually worth what we're saying here. We don't want any hoodwink scams going on.
0: Okay. Uh, what, what do I get to see the appraisal when it's done?
1: Absolutely. The buyer always gets a copy of the appraisal and... That's another one of those lovely, thick documents that, uh, yeah, we get to go through. So we'll just surface over the details of appraisal because they can be many, many pages. But the standard form that it comes on looks at comparable sales which are similar properties in the area. Of course, they use the sales approach traditionally to look at that, but they'll also use a cost approach. And it also covers market conditions. It digs down to square footage, lot size, county records. I mean, these things are honestly pretty overwhelming. Even to me as an agent, sometimes you get into all the different light items that are in there, and it gets right down to the nitty gritty in addition to the stamp and the number of that appraiser.
0: All right so we've got this big document one last question before i ask like the big one But uh, as a buyer, am I there when an appraisal is done?
1: You can be there if you'd like. Uh, As the agent, I frequently attend appraisals if I have any questions. Sometimes I've even had appraisers ask me what comps I used for it, and I go meet them and provide those documents. Although in this COVID environment, that's a little different. We are not as allowed to attend appraisals as we once were. So traditionally no one is there but the appraiser. They have access to our systems as far as our iBoxes traditionally or combo boxes, and they're authorized to go in the home. We just coordinate that with the seller traditionally to make sure that they're going at an appropriate time. But a lot of times they're in and out of there in an hour. This is something that they've done on a day in day out basis for a long time.
0: So safe to say that while it's probably, at least in our opinion, critical that a home buyer is around for an inspection or at least the last of, of an inspection to get an overview, it's it's probably not necessary for a buyer to be at an appraisal no
1: and they're not going to get that valuation back for quite some time because while the appraiser comes out and does the physical inspection He's got a lot of work to do when he gets back to the office, taking him several hours to complete this appraisal. And it takes him a while to get everything together and back over to the bank. I normally say probably that rule of thumb could take up to 10 days from the time that the appraisal is actually done until the time you actually get it back. So there's a lag time there in that they're doing multiple appraisals and everything else going into
0: that. So, All right. So the $64,000 question, right? The big one. What happens if an appraisal comes in lower than my offer?
1: Well, we talked about that can of renegotiation, Eric. And we're going to open it back up potentially if the appraisal comes in low because we may need to renegotiate the value. And depending on what type of loan it is, right now FHA appraisals that are low will stay with that property for six months we're seeing a lot of sellers elect to go back to the market and try and get a different appraisal. Um, and a lot of times, unfortunately, those are done unfairly or something was overlooked or, or whatever may have been the case. But on a conventional loan, they can traditionally go back and try and get a more fair appraisal if you want to deem it that way where the buyer and the seller can hopefully get closer together because in this environment, you know, the buyers really don't want to lose that house due to a low appraisal. It's a real sticky issue. But to, the buyer can also potentially have the wherewithal to compensate the seller and go ahead and buy the house. I have seen that happen as well. I'm not losing this house. I have the extra $10,000 that this is short, and I'm putting it in because I don't want to lose my house.
0: So just to kind of be clear, one option you have in certain appraisal situations is to challenge the appraisal to say, hey, I think maybe we've overlooked something or... You
1: ask for a review of the appraisal. Uh, Those typically take a long time and they can go back to the underwriting department of the mortgage company and go back to the appraiser and ask them for reconsideration. So you ask them for a reconsideration of value. You ask for an appraisal review. Um, These are steps that you can take. Sometimes they make a difference. Unfortunately, more often than not, I see them staying exactly the same.
0: So if that doesn't become a viable option or something that you can wait for, then as a buyer, unless you have given up this ability as a, um, uh, a, a part of your offer, you can go to the seller and say, let's and you,
1: renegotiate,
0: right? Essentially, you let's make ask, a deal, asking them to lower their price typically to the appraisal value, which they may or may not be inclined to do. Uh, I'm you, seeing
1: a lot of people split it. You right. know, especially if it's only a few thousand dollars, most people are anticipating that in this market that I may have to split an appraised value issue due to changing market conditions and the fact that I had to offer over the list price, etc. You know, and I think I failed to mention in the beginning, if you just don't like it, if this whole thing makes you feel uncomfortable as a buyer, you have the ability to walk away unless you have waived that right to the appraisal contingency. So if you get it back and you just don't like it, this can be the straw that broke the camel's back, and you say, this house is not for me. So that's also a viable option in all of the different things you can do in the renegotiation process.
0: Right. So I, I think that's important to note, right? Your options are to renegotiate. And if you renegotiate, typically as a buyer, I'm I'm hoping that the seller will come down to the appraisal price, but they may not. Uh, and if I choose to come up above the appraised price, the ramification of that is, is that any loan that I'm getting, it will be based on that appraisal price. So I might be paying 5% closing costs. Uh, I'm sorry, 5% five percent down, down payment, payment. <laughs> in addition to closing costs. Uh, but then anything above the appraisal will be even more money out of my pocket. It would be. Because that's how the lender looks at it. The other thing I can do, if we can't renegotiate, if the buyer, if the seller won't bring their price down, if I'm not willing or able to pay more than the appraisal, uh, then I can walk away from the deal. So it is a a um...
1: you know, and the appraisers are human. So I know I've said that in our inspection segment as well is that you know, appraisers are are human. But um, sometimes there's valid reasons why they miss something or why something happens. But sometimes, unfortunately, there's just bad appraisals, bad appraisers, whatever. Something happens that this is just a big old thorn in your side, and hopefully your seller can see that. And that's why it's important to have us as a trusted professional on their side, because that's what I'm going to do is advocate for my client in whatever fashion it is and showcase why I think this piece was missed or showcase whatever's going on with this.
0: And I think as market values increase, the faster the increase, the tougher it is for appraisers to hit their comparables and make this all work. Certainly a big challenge we have today, but inspections and appraisals from a buyer's perspective, are your two safety nets. They're making sure that you're not buying a house that has problems and that you're not overpaying for a house. So be very uh, diligent and careful should you choose to waive either of those safety nets as part of your negotiation. Absolutely. All right, we're out of time. So uh, join us next time as we talk about uh, closing, right? We're getting near the end of this home buying process. So we get to talk about how the closing process works and finally getting those keys. But until then, you have been listening to get real KC with Eric Jurgensen and Jen justice for more information or to contact our hosts, Visit us at dreamhomesbyjen.com where you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you.